Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. A wonderful text. A marvelous text. Beautiful text. Something that will absolutely revolutionize your life if you get a hold of it. John chapter 10 and verse 10. That's John's gospel. And you know, when you approach the Word of God, you should always pray. Because God's Word is spiritually discerned, not just intellectually understood. Did you hear that? God's Word is spiritually discerned and not just intellectually understood. And so if we really want to have revelation from God, then we have to invite the Holy Spirit to teach us and to be our God. Amen? Amen. And so let's pray. Father, as we study Your Word tonight, we study it in Jesus' name, inviting the Holy Ghost to be our teacher and to be our guide, to enlighten us and to instruct us and to enlarge us inwardly that we might receive, dear Father God, revelation knowledge of all things that pertain to life and godliness. I thank You for causing my tongue to be a pen, like a ready writer, to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the truth that will make us free. And for all that's achieved among us, we'll give the glory, honor, praise, and blessing unto You, for You're deserving of it in Jesus' name. Amen. John 10.10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Christians do not need to be defeated in this life. Believers do not need to be overcome by the devil. We don't need to be overcome by oppression. We don't need to be depressed. We don't need to be bound by sin. We don't need to be addicted to drugs or alcohol or tobacco. We don't have to be ruled by circumstances. We don't have to be dominated by peer pressure. We do not have to allow grief to destroy us in this life. We don't have to allow financial difficulties to run us ragged and get us down. We don't have to be full of anxiety or stress. We don't have to be influenced by this world system. We don't have to cave in under the senses. Praise God, we do not have to be overcome by anything in this life. That's what the Word says. Praise God. We don't have to. But you see, in order for us to overcome in all areas of life, we have got to know the Word of God. And most importantly, we have got to understand what Jesus meant in this verse of Scripture. Because you see, today a lot of people are blaming God for their problems and difficulties that they have in life. They are blaming God for situations that He is not causing in people's lives. But they have no other person to blame because they have not been taught who is the cause of their problems. As a matter of fact, some have been improperly taught that God is the cause of their problems. And you know, it's amazing to me how we can blame everything on God and let the devil go unscathed. You know, as if you know he's out there probably palling around with us, trying to get us to blame God. When in reality, He is the one that likes to stir up trouble in our lives. 
We must understand the dividing line between what God does and what the devil does. What is of God and what is of Satan. What is the kingdom of light, what is of the kingdom of darkness. And this is that dividing line. It says right here, the thief. Who is the thief? Amen. Satan and his bunch. Satan and his bunch. The thief comes not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. But I am come that ye might have life and have it more abundantly. Satan wills death, destruction, and everything else that is negative in our lives. God wills anything and everything that produces an abundance of life. God wants us to enjoy life more abundantly. Satan wants us to be destroyed, overcome, downcast, run ragged, full of anything and everything that is evil. He wants to take away our joy, take away our health, take away our finances, take away our peace of mind, Anything and everything that spells doom, gloom, and destruction, He'll try to bring into our path so as to destroy us. Ultimately, you can put everything that Satan wills for our lives in these three categories. Anything that steals, anything that kills, and anything that destroys is from the devil and his kingdom. But anything that contributes to life in abundance comes from God. You know, the Word says about God Himself that He is the giver of good gifts. Every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. What is good is of God. What is evil is of the devil. God wants us to have life. Satan wants to destroy life. Now, you see, beloved, if we do not understand this dividing line, and the difference between what God wills and the devil wills, we make ourselves vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. Because, you see, when things come our way that don't produce life, that produce misery and destruction and all that we just mentioned, and if we think it comes from God, then we won't resist what the devil is bringing our way. The world itself can also bring things our way. But those things don't necessarily mean that that's what God wants for our lives. And so when those things come against us or they come our way in life, if we think they're coming from God, then we will not put up any form of resistance whatsoever. We'll more or less just lay down and say, you know, que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. The future's not mine to see, you know. So whatever will be, just let it be. Just kind of lay down and just say, well, this is my life. This is what I have to expect in my life. This is the cross I have to bear for Jesus. That's not true. That is not true. We don't have to lay down and play dead and say, whatever will be, will be. We don't have to sit back and allow the enemy to come and steal, kill, and destroy. We can rise up to a place and say, enough is enough. I'm not going to tolerate your activity in my life any longer. 
I refuse to give place to those things that steal, kill, and destroy. I'm going to start learning how to enjoy life in abundance. Can you say amen? But you see, you've got to be informed and you've got to know that what is of the devil is that which steals, kills, and destroys. And what is of God is that what produces or provides life in abundance. We've got to know that. We've got to understand that. Because then when those things come against us in life, we can take things into our own hands. And by the power of God, we can overcome them. But if we think God's doing it, we're at a disadvantage. We'll just sit back and just get run all over. And the devil will just sit back and laugh and do everything else because he knows he's got us whipped. I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis in chapter 1. And I want to show us how we got in this mess in the first place. How many of you know that God is not the author of the mess that you're in today? <laughs> he is not the author of it. We go back to the book of beginnings and we found that, find out how God wants it to be in our lives. We find out how we got into trouble. And then we find out what God did to bail us out. I guess that's as plain as I can put it. In the beginning, we'll discover exactly how God wanted life to be for mankind. In the book of Genesis in chapter 1, in verse 31 it says, And God saw everything that He made, and behold, it was horrible. Life was a mess. People were killing each other. They were knocking each other's lights out. Screaming at each other. Getting into fist fights. Poking each other in the eye. Pulling their hair. Having bad mornings. Life was horrendous. I must be missing something here. And God saw everything that He had made, and behold, it was very good. Oh, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. In other words, God brought everything into being, and it was good. Isn't that what it says? But let's not stop there. Remember, this is divided up in the chapters because of man, not because of God. It says right here, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Everybody say finished. And the word means brought to their predestined end. Did you ever see work being done out there on the highway or something like that? And finally, they put the finishing touches on it. And it's absolutely, positively, perfectly done. Brought to its predestined end. And those team of workers, the team of workers, they stand back and they look at it and say, That's wonderful. I mean, look at how nice those... Lines are real nice and straight and everything. Doesn't the brand new asphalt look beautiful? And that little medium that we made over there, doesn't that look excellent? You know, the, I like the cement, especially the finishing touches to it, you know, because he did that one. You know, he, he did the finishing touches to it, you know, and it looks, I mean, just beautiful, perfect. And the guy that built the cabinets, I mean, to tell you, when he put that last finishing touch on that and brought it to his predestinate, he said, bellissima. Perfection. Amen. 
And boy, when she gets that pot of spaghetti out and puts the cheese on top, grates that cheese, it's scattered all over top of the spaghetti. And she stands back and says, beautiful. That's that's a work of art. Know what I'm talking about? In other words, that's how it ought to be. Isn't that right? That's the way it's supposed to be. Well, what do you think God did? I mean to tell you, He made man, He made everything first, He made man. And once He had finished making everything that He made, He stood back and just looked at all the works of His hands and says, Perfection. Perfection. Everything was brought, finished, or brought to its predestined end. This is the way I want it to be, is what God said. Now let's read on here. And all the host of them... And on the seventh day, God ended His work, which He had made, and He rested on the seventh day from all His work, which He had made. Now, when it talks about God resting, how many of you know that God doesn't get tired? He just brought a universe into being, but He wasn't exhausted because of all the work that He had done. It rested just means He just sat back and just took it easy because there was nothing else to do. And you can't improve on in perfection, can you? And so he saw the way it was and said, it's absolutely beautiful. It's now time for me just to sit back and just let it do what it's supposed to do. Let it function the way it's supposed to function. Let everything now just go ahead and work in perfect working order. Can you see that? Okay. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Now... After doing this, he sits back and he watches everything that was created. But what was the position of man in that creation? In that place of perfection, man lived in a perfect environment. Look at Genesis 1, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our our, our image after our likeness and let them have, everybody say, dominion. Dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them. How many of you know that when God said something, it was so? God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let every tree produce after its own kind. Right? And it was so. God said, divide the waters, and the waters were divided. God said it, and it was so. Isn't that true? And God said, let man have dominion. Didn't He? He said unto them, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion. Have dominion over the fish, over the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. In other words, when God made man in that place of perfection, in that beautiful garden, the entire earth was under His control. God saw that it was good that He gave man all this authority, all this dominion, and He had not enabled him or allowed him to rule or reign over all the works of God's hand. In other words, he was God's under ruler. Right? 
That was his high position. That was his high place. And God was pleased with it. As his under ruler, he had supreme authority to subdue all things. That means bring all things under subjection to you. To rule all things. To reign over all things. And also to prevail against all things. In other words, in this perfect environment, he was the supreme authority figure. God gave it to him, and it was all his to enjoy. Man, you talk about life in abundance. All Adam had to do was speak, and things obeyed his voice. I mean to tell you, all he had to do was say a word, and the entire created work of God had to submit in obedience. Isn't that marvelous? What a high position. What a high place. That's how God wanted it to be. As you look through these verses, you find no sin, no sickness, no disease, no turmoil, no tragedy, no heartache, no pain, nothing evil. I mean, it's absolutely perfect. All man has to do is just rule and reign. And everything's taken care of. My goodness, isn't God good? Well, Satan was jealous of this. Satan hated it. Because, you see, he wanted that high place that God gave man. And he was miserable. I mean, to tell you, he was absolutely green with envy. He was so jealous over the place that man had that he began to think in his perverted mind as to what he could possibly do to overthrow man and take his place. And so he began his strategies. And he thought, if I can just deceive him into giving up his power and position, then I could be a rebel holder of that authority. That's what he thought in his mind. And so, you see, in the beginning, while everything was perfect, that perfection was a direct result of the will of God. Everything was brought to its predestined end. That's how God wanted it to be. How many of you know that all those workers didn't intend for a pothole to be in the middle of the road? Isn't that true? How many of you know that that cabinet maker did not intend to have a a chunk of wood taken out of the cabinet? You know that's not the case. And you know it would upset that person to have somebody destroy the work of his hands. Isn't that how we are? How much more God? But you see, when God gave man this dominion and authority, it was his to do with as he pleased. Once the man sells his cabinets to an individual... If your child comes along with a hammer and begins to beat on it, it was not his fault, was it? He had nothing to do with it. That's not his will. But look what's happening. Boom, boom, boom. Distressed cabinets. (laughs) Boy, it just made him upset to his stomach. Well, Adam had this authority... The whole earth was under His control. It was a place without any heartache or pain or misery, like I said. 
But now Satan comes along. And he begins to whisper. And he begins to say some things to Adam and Eve. And of course, they listened to what he had to say. They thought that God was holding back. He had them convinced that God was holding back something special from them. And as a result of that, they would only be in this place for the rest of their lives and never achieve anything better than what they have. My goodness, wouldn't that have been enough for you? And so he comes along and says, Hath God said in Genesis chapter 3, you can see this here in verse 3. Now, verse 1. Let's start with verse 1. Now, the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And so the woman then saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise. And she shook off the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and sewed fig leaves together, and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to... to that has never ended, has it? <laughs> Adam. <laughs> the woman whom you gave to me. Notice, he blames the woman. He blames God. He blames the woman and he blames God. The woman that you gave me. Hmm. Okay, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, Well, the serpent beguiled me. She blamed the devil, or the serpent. And I did eat. Now, the whole point, if you read on throughout this, you will discover that as a result of their disobedience... Everything that's wrong and evil was allowed to enter into the world. God had nothing to do with it. It was the direct result of rebellion and disobedience. And even though God didn't want it to happen, man allowed it to happen because he disobeyed the voice of God. He had the right to do so. For God gave him all that authority and dominion, but God told him in advance what would happen to him if he would disobey. And so he goes and he disobeys God, and now he opens up a brand new door. Now think about it. We're in this facility right here. We have many doors. But let's say on the inside of this place, everything in here is in the state of absolute perfection. 
There's no sin, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's no death, there's no sorrow, there's no woes. None of that heartache exists. No stress, no anxiety, no worry, no fear. None of that. No tears. Nothing like that exists in this room. It's absolutely closed. There's only one door over there. And it's up to us as to who we allow to enter in that door. On the outside, there is sin, sickness, disease, darkness, gloom, doom, anxiety, worry, fretting, and everything evil and ugly. Everything dark exists on the outside. But we're on the inside having a great time. Well, we open up that door. And we let all that ugliness in this place. Do we blame God for that? Did God do that? God said, leave the door shut and don't eat of this tree and leave it on the outside. But they said, hmm, it might make us wise. We might be even like God. And so he opens up the door through sin. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that by one man's sin, death entered into this world. And so in comes sin, disease, sickness, sorrow, everything. Upheaval comes to every realm of life. Now we find that the world is not the way God created it. Now we find there are enemies in the very air that we breathe. Bacteria. Everywhere you look, there's all kinds of evil all around us. Something has happened. Whose fault is it? God's? No, look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. And unto Adam he said, that he is God, God said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and you have eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. Who did God blame for it? Adam. Adam, he said, you did this. Now the ground is cursed for your sake. In sorrow shall you eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns also and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. And thou shalt eat the herb of the field. And the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou turn into the ground. For out of it thou, wast thou taken for dust thou art. And unto dust thou shalt return. Shalt thou return. God is saying, look, this is what you've done. Now the ground is cursed. Now there's a curse upon mankind. All humanity is cursed. You've opened up the door to darkness and to evil. I didn't want it, but look, you did it. And now God is sort of displeased. And of course, He has to bell us out. You know that as well as I do. But I want you to see something else that is very important. In verse 15, speaking to the enemy, God said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head. I want you to notice this expression, it shall bruise thy head. Head is a figure of authority. Adam was the supreme authority on the earth. Being that supreme authority, he had the legal right to transfer that authority if he wanted to. And as a result of deception and rebellion, he committed the sin of high treason, and Satan who longed for this, finally is successful in becoming the God of this world. Some might not even believe that, but look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, and I'll show that to you. Jesus Himself called Satan the prince of the power of the air. The prince of this world. 
All of a sudden, it doesn't look so good anymore, does it? All of a sudden, God now looks at all the works of His hands and He says, Adam bungled the whole thing. Man, it was perfect. Now look at all the potholes out there. Now look at all the nicks in the wood out there. Man, spaghetti flying everywhere. Do you see that? It doesn't look good anymore because that's not the way God wanted it. And look at man. Man is sad. Look at him. He's downcast. Look at his children, Cain and Abel, killing each other. Man, look at I didn't do this. I didn't want this. You finally get to Genesis chapter 6 and God says, Wickedness reigns in the heart of man. And so a flood has to come and wipe him out. Beloved, I ask you, did God want that? Did God will that? God wanted it perfect. But Adam failed God. Open up the door to all the evil. It came in and here we are facing sin, sickness, disease, death, demons, the world influence, the flesh in its fallen state. And all this ugliness all around us, not because God wanted it, but because of what Adam did. And when Satan became the Lord or the prince of the power of the air, beloved, he took matters into his own hands. He knows he's on his way to destruction and he wants to take everybody with him. He wants everyone to be miserable and to be destroyed. And he'll come to kill, steal, and destroy from anyone who allows it. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 6, the devil said to Jesus, All this power or authority will I give to you. And the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. Did the devil have all that power delivered to him? Jesus did not deny it. He knew it was true. Satan had all that power delivered to him when Adam committed high treason. Satan became the god of this world, and now he rules the lives of people. He dominates like a tyrant over the lives of humanity. And those that are in darkness, he reigns over. All that power that was delivered to me, I'll give to you. Now that, you know he would never do, but he tried to tempt him with that. He had the power to give, but you know as well as I do, he wouldn't have given it to Jesus. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Another scripture that will once again confirm that Satan became the God of this world. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 4. Let's start with verse 3. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 3. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost in whom the God of this world, the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Who blinds the minds of people from receiving Christ as Savior and Lord? The devil does, with darkness. Who is the God of this world? Satan is the God of this world. Why is he the God of this world? Because Adam transferred his authority over to him. He is a rebel holder of authority 
He has a right to be here until a time comes when Adam's lease on this earth runs out. And then when it runs out, then there's going to be the final consummation of all things. But beloved, right now he has a right to be here and to rule and reign and dominate the hearts and the minds of people who are out there under the influence of the kingdom of darkness. Well, that's a pretty sad scenario, isn't it? What are we going to do? To be frank about it, we can't change that. But God can. Jesus Himself said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. We need clarity of thought when it comes to these things, beloved, because this is what's going to enable us to reign as kings in the realm of life. This is what is going to enable us to be more than conquerors through Him that loves us. The will of God was perfection. Satan's will brought doom, gloom, and destruction. But God didn't leave us in our dilemma. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. How can God give us abundant life in this atmosphere? How in the world can we experience joy and peace and laughter and love in this realm of life, knowing that Satan is the God of this world? How can we possibly be happy in an imperfect environment? Is that at all possible? Well, I'll tell you something right now. Apart from Jesus Christ, it's not possible. But what is impossible with man is possible with God. And God made it possible through Jesus Christ. But you see, you've got to come to Jesus Christ in order to have that kind of a life. But before we get to that, let's look at this. In 1 John chapter 3, God was not pleased with what He saw. He was not pleased that there was upheaval in every realm of life. He was not pleased with the fact that His man that He made in His image and likeness was now under the control of a, ty- of a tyrant. He was not pleased that those who should have been His own offspring and family were now of their father, the devil. He was not pleased with any of this. And so, He sent His only begotten Son into the world. He came into the world not by an illegal way, but by a legal avenue, through birth, God Almighty, in the person of Jesus Christ, became a man, came down to this earth, and He came on a mission. He came to do the will of the Father God. What was the will of God? Perfection, peace, joy, love, health, wholeness, soundness, a perfect environment. That's what He came That's what He intended for man. That's what He made in the beginning. And Jesus came to enforce the will of God on this earth. And beloved, we see here His mission in 1 John 3, 8. He that committed sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this was the purpose. The Son of God was manifested. My beloved brethren, this is why He came. This is His mission on earth. Can you see it? This is why Jesus came. This purpose was the Son of God manifested that He might destroy the works of the devil. How can God give us abundant life if all that is true? Only one way. If someone would come and destroy the works of the devil. And that's why Jesus came. Jesus was not going to let us 
remain in this state forever. Jesus came to undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil. The devil came to steal from us, to kill and destroy us. But Jesus said, I came to give you life more abundantly than you've ever known it before. I've come to give you that which supersedes your wildest dreams and fantasies. I have come to hook you back up with God, the Creator, who wills good things for your life. And the only way to do it is to undo, outdo, and overdo all the works of the devil. So you think what Satan did to Adam was bad? Man, when you find out what Jesus did to Satan, you will shout. Glory to God and be glad. He came to outdo the works of the devil. And let's see that again in Hebrews in chapter 2, which once again further confirms to all of us that Jesus was on a mission. In Hebrews 2.14, it says, For as much then... As the children are partakers of flesh and blood. Hebrews 2.14 For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, He also Himself, that's Jesus Christ, likewise became the same. Or took upon Himself the same. That through death He might destroy Him. Notice He came to destroy the works of the devil. So that through death he might destroy him. Why did he become a man? Why was he robed with flesh? So that through his death he might destroy him that had the authority or the dominion of death, that is the devil. I want to read that to you from some other translations. Jesus was robed with flesh in order to crush him that had the dominion, that is the devil. Jesus was clothed with humanity in order to neutralize him that had the dominion that is the devil. Jesus came to break the power of the devil. And that's his mission on this earth. That's why he came. He came to take that lost dominion and receive it back and then... Give it back to man. That's what He came to do. This is something we have to see if we want to reign, beloved, as kings in life. And look at verse 15. And deliver them. And deliver them. He didn't come just to get it back for Himself. He came to get it and then deliver them who all their lifetime were subject to bondage. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. In other words, Jesus came to deliver us from the dominion and the tyranny of the kingdom of darkness. He came to break the power of Satan over people's lives. To restore to them their lost dominion so that they would be able to rise up through that power... And experience victory in life. And enjoy life more abundantly. And beloved, that dominion is so far reaching, it reaches the very throne of God. 
And what stands behind the dominion that you have as a child of God is heaven itself. The government of heaven itself stands behind our dominion. Another scripture that is important in connection with verse 15. Notice it says, Deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. But look at 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry. Colossians chapter 1. Colossians. Not 1 Corinthians, but Colossians. In chapter 1. When Jesus came to this earth, He had one goal in mind. And that was to set humanity free, recapture our lost dominion, and then restore it to us so that we could reign as kings in the realm of life through Christ Jesus Himself. It says here, He was robed with flesh so that He would crush Him that had the dominion, which was Satan. And then to deliver us from that power. In verse 12 of Colossians 1 it says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us. Everybody say, hath delivered us. Is hath delivered us present, future, or past tense? So that means Christ hath delivered us. But what hath He delivered us from? From the power, the authority, or the dominion of darkness. In other words, Adam committed high treason. Satan became the God of this world. He was a rebel holder of that authority that Adam had from God in the beginning. He's now ruling over people's lives. But if you are born again, if you are a child of God, you have been delivered by the blood of Jesus from the power, authority, dominion, or tyranny of darkness. You are no longer under that control, under that dominion, under that authority, under that power. You are no longer under the rule of Satan. And neither am I. He delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into a new kingdom. It's the kingdom of the sunlight of His love. It's the kingdom of God. Jesus is our Lord, not Satan any longer. Jesus is over us and not the devil any longer. Let me give you another translation. He has rescued us out of the dominion, tyranny, or control of darkness. And that, beloved, means Satan has no right to dominate our lives. He has no right to steal from us, to kill or destroy us. He has no right to meddle in our affairs. Look at another scripture in Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. I know we're using a lot of scripture, but I thought you'd rather have scripture than social events. Am I right? Thank you. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 19. Well, no, we're going to back it up there because that's not going to give us everything we want to, we want to hear. 
Let's back it up to verse 1. That's pretty, pretty far, isn't it? <laughs> I'm just going to isolate some scriptures for you. <laughs> After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before His face into every city and place whither He Himself would come. Therefore He said unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Okay. In verse 3, He says, Go your way. In verse 4, He says, Don't take your purse or anything. In verse 5, He says, Whatever house you go into, bring peace to that house. In verse 8, or or verse 9, It says, Heal the sick that are therein. Say unto them, The kingdom of God is come unto you, come nigh unto you. Okay. Then read on. Go on up to verse 17. They went out and did what He told them to do. Told them to preach the good news of the gospel. Say the kingdom of God is here. You've been under the rule or the tyranny of darkness. And now God's kingdom is here. And verse 17, The seventy returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject to us in Thy name or through Thy name. He said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Don't you think Jesus was gloating right that time? I'll tell you, don't you think that he was seeing that old serpent, the devil, fall as they began to wield the power of the name of Jesus? Glory to God. I'm sure there was a smile on his face when he saw those devils and demons being dismissed and discharged from their missions. Now listen. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you, you, power. I'm giving unto you power, dominion, rule, authority. I'm giving you power to tread on serpents, scorpions, over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. People don't know that, beloved. They've got power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Don't rejoice in this in the next verse. He says, just rejoice that your names are written in heaven. But the point is the fact that Jesus did what He said He would do. He came to undo, outdo, overdo all the works of the devil. He came to crush him that had the dominion. Remember back there in Genesis 3.15, he says, He will bruise your head. He is going to dismiss you of your authority and power. You took it now, but Jesus is going to come back and get it for mankind and all humanity. That's what God told the devil, and God doesn't tell a lie. And so Jesus came. He overcame the devil. He made an open show of Him. I want you to see that with me in the book of Colossians chapter 2. In case you've never read that, in case you want something to shout about, you want to wake up in the morning and shout, read that verse of Scripture. Praise God. The devil's been defeated. Everything's been restored. You're a child of the Most High God. You're in a brand new kingdom. Hallelujah. And you can reign in life by Christ Jesus over all circumstances and situations. 
God has given you your lost dominion. It's restored to you, and you're in charge of things. You're in control of things now. Don't be like Adam. Colossians 2, verse... Oh, uh, I can't... St- I just can't read verse 15. Come on, egg me on. You want me to read more than that, right? I thought so. Hallelujah. Look at verse 9. I'm reading from the Amplified. I want to make it big. I want to amplify it, make it big. It was just what Jesus did. This is so good. I read it Sunday. I'm going to read it again. I read it Sunday morning, but it's good tonight, too. In verse Colossians 2 and verse 9, it says, For in Him the whole fullness of deity, the Godhead, continues to dwell in bodily form. That's in Jesus, right? Giving complete expression of the divine nature. You believe that? Verse 10. And you are in Him, made full, and have come the fullness of life. In Christ, you too are filled with the Godhead. Hallelujah! Did you hear that? Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And reach full spiritual stature. He is the head of all rule and authority of every angelic principality and power. Now listen. In Him also you are circumcised with a circumcision not made with hands, but in a spiritual circumcision performed by Christ. You know Christ circumcised your heart? Hallelujah. He stripped off the body of flesh, the whole corrupt carnal nature, with its passions and lust. Thus you were circumcised when you were buried with Him in your baptism, in which you were also raised with Him to a new life. Through your faith, which is, wor- working of, is, is the working of God, as displayed when He raised Him up from the dead. And you who were dead in trespasses. You were dead. I was dead in sin. Under the dominion of the devil, every single one of us. But listen, you were dead in trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh, your sensuality, your sinful carnal nature. God brought to life together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all of our transgressions, having canceled out and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the notar bond with its legal decrees and demands. You know you were legally held in bondage. You were legally under God. Legally in prison, in jail, incarcerated with no way out. But Jesus bailed you out. Hallelujah! Jesus paid the price. He bought you back. He took all that was written against us. He canceled it out with His blood. He put up bail, my beloved brother and sister. This note with its regulations, its decrees and demands, He set aside and cleared completely out of our way by nailing it to His cross. Boy, if that doesn't get you shouting, your shout are broke. Hallelujah. Now, this is the worst I wanted to get to. God disarmed the principalities and the powers and authorities 
ranged against us and made it a, a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them in Him and in the cross. Therefore, let no one sit in judgment on you in matters of food or drink or anything. The devil can't tell you what to do. The devil can't tell us what's right or wrong. We're no longer under his dominion. Jesus made a bold display. That means Jesus did what? He stripped him of that authority. He stripped him of that power. And then he began to show all of his cohorts right there that I am stronger than he. You follow the loser. Can you see that? And he arose victoriously. He took all that was held against us and nailed it to his cross. Wiped it out completely. It's blotted out. And you know what? Now that you're born again, oh, hallelujah. You have your dominion restored. I want you to see that in Romans chapter 5. So Jesus came to enforce the will of God on the earth. He says, I don't want my people bound. I want my people free. I don't want them under the, the dominion of darkness. I want them in my kingdom. Can you see that? And if we know that, then we don't have to let the devil to have his way. We don't have to allow him to steal, kill, and destroy. We don't have to let him get in our way. Can you see that? Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Wherefore, if by one man sin entered into the world... How did sin enter in the world? By one man. What was his name? Adam. And death by sin... And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned. What reigned? What had authority? What ruled over our lives? From Adam to Moses. Even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as the offense... So also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more. Everybody say much more. The grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses under justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, there are those two words again, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall go through life as beggars and paupers. Overcome, depressed, hot, I mean, just absolutely destroyed by the devil. They shall reign. They shall reign. Notice it doesn't say God shall reign. They shall reign. They shall rule. They shall exercise dominion in the realm of life. If you look at that in the Amplified, it says they shall reign as kings in the realm of life by Jesus Christ. They shall reign as kings. They shall reign as kings. How? By Jesus Christ. Beloved, 
When Jesus washed you in His blood, He made you a king and a priest so that you can reign as a king in the realm of life. Well, if that's true, then the devil has no right to dominate our lives. Circumstances have no right to dominate our lives. The world system has no right to influence our lives and dominate our lives. We can reign legally over all these powers. How do we do that? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that question. Write it down. We're running out of time, so write it down. Revelation 12:11 says, And they overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Can you see that? What's the blood of the Lamb mean? Boy, you're close by. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 9. You've got to see this. I guarantee you, you will see this. Oh, by the blood of the Lamb. In other words, let's look at it this way. When Adam sinned in the beginning, his sin was so far reaching, it stained the heavenly utensils of worship. Man was bound out of the place that God had for him. He was removed from the presence of God. His sin was so far-reaching, it affected the very presence of God itself. The throne of God was tainted with with Adamic sin. And it needed to be cleansed. That sin was there telling us that God legally holds us responsible. And there are demands that have to be met before you and I can be free. This world that we were to reign over will reign over us until those demands are met. Are you seeing it? Can you see that? All that Satan, that Adam allowed in through Satan will continue to hold dominion over our lives until those demands are met, until something happens. Well, they tried the blood of bulls and goats and it just didn't work. It wasn't good enough. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb. 9 and verse 12. Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood He entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption For us. Did you hear that? See, we didn't see it. But if there was, if God allowed us to have a a screen over here and a projector over there, and He played that scene, what took place in the heavenly holies of holies, you would have seen Jesus. You know when it says God's going to put on a show for us in the ages to come? I really believe that God's going to do this. This is my own fantasy. Can I, can, I relive this? can I just live this dream out right now? I believe there's going to come a day when we're all going to sit back with popcorn and, and something to drink, you know, in God's theater, His heavenly theater, and we're going to sit there and we're going to just sit back in awe and amazement as the film comes on and says, shh, you know, all that stuff it says at the beginning of a movie or something. And so you're sitting there and you're watching. I mean, even the angels of heaven are, are, are hushing because they long to look into what we know about Jesus. And we sit back there and all of a sudden the film begins to go and we see Jesus. You know, we see Him rising up. I'm starting it from there. We're in mid, midway through here. We see Jesus. He is He's rising up. He is being raised up from the dead. 
God said, Thou art my Son, this day have I begotten thee. And Jesus raises up from the dead. Hands are still there. They have to be met. They have to be met. Someone has to do it. Someone has to cleanse those utensils of worship. And Jesus is raised up from the dead. I mean, the devil's pulling his hair out if he has any. He's trying to, you know, trying to hold Jesus back. He's trying to attack him, trying to pull him back down. He's got all of his emissaries working together with him. He's got his biggest angels, his strongest cohorts, and they're all trying to hold Jesus back in the heavenly sphere. But they can't. There's no power on earth able to hold him down. And so Jesus breaks through all those powers of darkness. He enters into that heavenly place, the holies of holies, where Adam sin-stained all the utensils of worship. And he walks up there right before the presence of Almighty God Himself. And he takes his blood and he sprinkles it. Hallelujah. He entered by his own blood. He sprinkles it. And all of a sudden, every demand of justice is met. Every decree against mankind is fulfilled. Man is liberated by the blood of Jesus. We're going to watch that. You talk about the shouts of praises of adoration from the people of God that are in that place. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. He redeemed us to God by His blood. You know what that means? You know you've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You have an eternal redemption. You're redeemed from the powers of darkness and Satan can't rule over your life any longer. You overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Boy, I don't know if you can handle this next one. We're going over time, but not, just, just, just another minute. <laughs> I don't know if you can handle this one. You saw him enter in by his own blood. And now, beloved, you overcome by the blood of the Lamb. You know that the blood secures your victory. You know the blood gives you redemption. It gives you dominion. It gives you authority. And every devil has got to bow to the name of Jesus because you've been redeemed by the blood. Now you ready for it? In the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 in verse 14. For by one offering He hath perfected. He brought back to perfection forever them that are sanctified. Whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us for after that He had said before, This is the covenant that I'll make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I'll put my laws into their hearts and their minds. I'll write them and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there's no more offering for sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way. What does that mean? When the devil tries to dominate your life, when circumstances try to dominate your life, you just march boldly into the throne of God and say, I know the blood was shed for my victory. I know the blood was shed for my healing. I know the blood was shed for my deliverance. I thank God for the blood. I'm coming boldly to the throne of grace. I want all the government of heaven to stand behind me because listen to what I'm about to say. The blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. So now that I'm in there in the throne of God by the blood of the Lamb, I turn back to the devil. I turn back to the disease. I turn back to the circumstance and I give the word of my testimony. I say, I've been redeemed. Excuse me. You've got no right to dominate my life. You will not overcome me. You have no place. You'll not interfere with the program of my life any longer. Because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, get thee behind me, Satan. 
Can you say amen? How can you still be sitting there? Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.